Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. While the Senate continues deliberation on the Build Back Better Act and lawmakers await decisions from the parliamentarian on what can be included in the reconciliation package, we are taking a break from that conversation to discuss public polling and Medicare for All with very special guests from the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, we're joined by Lauren Crawford Schaefer and Philip Morris from the Partnership to discuss some recent polling numbers and to see what the majority of Americans really want to see in health insurance reform moving forward. Welcome to the podcast, guys. To kick things off, would you mind introducing yourselves for our listeners? Absolutely. Good to be back on, and thank you guys for having me. My name is Lauren Crawford Shaver, and I am the Executive Director of the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future. Excellent. And I'm Philip Morris. I'm a partner at Locust Street Group and have served as the partnership's exclusive pollster now for the past several years. I'm looking forward to sharing a lot of what we've learned in our latest polling during our discussion today. And a little bit about the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future. Our mission, we've been around for four years now, and our mission has always been solely focused on building on what's working in our healthcare system and not starting over. In recent years, we've seen great progress towards increasing access to high quality healthcare for Americans. And we do not believe Medicare for all, public option, or expanding Medicare accomplishes that. We want to make sure we focus on doubling down on what works really well now and make sure people have access to affordable quality health care that meets their needs every day. So we've been very active in making sure our education efforts, our research efforts, and our polling efforts continue to do and, and show what Americans want, because we're here to make sure that that happens. Speaking of the polling data that you just mentioned, the November 2021 edition of Voter Vitals was released earlier this week. What are Voter Vitals polls? Sure. So Voter Vitals is a national tracking poll of 2,000 likely voters that we conduct and release to the public quarterly. We've conducted this poll for two years now, where we measure voter sentiment towards our healthcare system, as well as what voters are looking for in terms of healthcare reform. So a lot of different interesting insights and trends that we're able to track over this two-year period that I'll be able to share today. And Phil, I think one important piece is there's people that point to polls that are out there that say everyone wants Medicare for all. There's devils in the details and what that really means and how you ask the questions. So can you share a little bit more about how and why we ask the questions we do to really get to what people want and think and feel? Yeah, that's a great point, Lauren, and an important one because part of the genesis of this poll was when you look at other publicly available polls The way folks ask questions around healthcare reform proposals makes a world of difference. And what we've really sought to do, and I think why the partnership brought in an an independent pollster like myself, is to find an unbiased and authoritative way of keeping a pulse on where voters stand on a lot of these proposals. And so what you see in public polls out there that show very high levels of support for Medicare for all, 
the way they're asking that question in no way makes clear that it would replace or eliminate private health coverage. In every poll that does make that clear, you see a majority uh, do not actually support a single payer or Medicare for all system. You also see a number of polls don't mention that creating a system like that would be funded by taxes. And that impacts significantly how voters feel. So what we've consistently seen first in terms of how we frame in an unbiased and objective way these questions, that the more voters actually learn and understand about these proposals, and it's not just our polling that shows this at Locust Street Group, Kaiser and others certainly show the exact same, that the more voters learn, the less supportive they actually are. So how these are structured and how the questions are asked makes a world of difference. That being said, specifically this November edition, what did the poll find about how Americans feel regarding programs like Medicare for All or a public option? Yeah, so what our latest edition showed is that a majority of Americans do not support creating a Medicare for All system or even creating a public option. What we see the highest levels of support for is building on and improving our existing healthcare system. We see that voters are looking for us to build on some of the components of the Affordable Care Act. We see high levels of satisfaction, actually, among those who have coverage through our current system. And so what our poll is telling us loud and clear is that voters are not looking for us to start from scratch or start over. They're certainly not looking for government to create something brand new. What they're looking for is us to build on what we have, to fix what's not working, but importantly, to keep what is working for a majority of Americans. So Americans, as you just mentioned, enjoy the coverage that they're receiving today. What other data did we learn about how Americans feel about coverage today? Yeah, so great question. What our voter vitals polling shows is that the vast majority of insured Americans are happy with their coverage. In fact, 75% of voters with employer-provided coverage or coverage purchased through the exchanges are satisfied with that coverage. It's difficult to find almost any product with a 75% satisfaction rate among its customers. So it's pretty remarkable what the industry has been able to achieve today. This high favorability that we're seeing is driven primarily by two factors, affordability and choice. Thanks to competition among insurers and expanded subsidies to purchase coverage, Americans have access to a wide array of affordable coverage options to choose the one that's best for them and their family. All of our polling shows that voters want choice and control over their coverage, not a one-size-fits-all system. So that's why we really see these high levels of satisfaction or favorability toward our current system and the coverage that folks are receiving through it. And I just want to double down on what Phil said here. Having 75% support and satisfaction on a product is, is pretty impressive. And to us, that's not about one specific policy. As Phil alluded to, that's about employer-sponsored coverage. That's about marketplace coverage, right? And you want to also talk about what people have on Medicare and Medicaid and how they identify their plans. There are options for people and it meets their health care needs, not one thing. And when we ask this poll... And when people talk about Medicare for all or public option, they tend to forget and leave out that if we pass Medicare for all, for instance, or a public option, it would fundamentally change what you have today. We at the partnership agree. We actually want everyone to have access to quality, affordable coverage, no matter where they live or what zip code they live in. Because most importantly, people having care will make them, make them healthier, more financially stable, and continue to support them. 
We just don't see the path of a public option of Medicare for all being the vehicle, being the policy to do that because it fundamentally changes what people have and are currently very satisfied with. You know, our current system is not perfect. And so we're not saying it's perfect. What we're actually really trying to say is we have a really great system and we need to improve upon it rather than toss it out and start with something new. Regarding potential health policy changes and building upon this system, is there anything that the majority of Americans would like to see done? Voters in our voter vitals poll are loud and clear about what they want from the future of healthcare reform. The top priority for 67% of voters nationally is to bring down healthcare costs. Costs are really the litmus test for any potential healthcare reform proposal. In terms of what's next, what that reform looks like, our surveys have consistently shown that voters prefer building on what we have today, where private plans and public programs work together to increase access to coverage and care, instead of starting over by creating something new, which voters are concerned will cost more. That goes back to my point about cost really being that litmus test. And in fact, when we've given voters the option to build on our current system or create a public option or even open up Medicare to younger Americans, 65% of voters, including a majority across all parties, Democratic and Republican alike, prefer building on our current system. And the vast majority of voters across parties are unwilling to pay any more than they currently do to cover the cost of creating a new government insurance system. So I think that's really the roadmap that we see in the data in terms of what voters are looking for next out of healthcare reform. And piggybacking off of that, when you think of the work, and, and you can all see our, our work we've done at the partnership at americashealthcarefuture.org whenever you want to, because we put our polling, we put our resources up there. We actually shared a study that Mercatus and Urban Institute put out that said $32 trillion is a price tag of a proposal over 10 years on a government-run healthcare system. Earlier this year, there's a lot of discussion about changing the Medicare age from 65 to 60. We put out a study that showed the federal deficit could rise by $393.9 billion over the next 10 years if you move the age to 60. So there are very real costs, these proposals that really impact individuals and what they have. So not only does the polling support that, the research shows that these plans really do have cost implications. That's a cost for an individual. That's a cost to our federal deficit. That's a cost to the government. There's all sorts of trade-offs when it comes to it. So cost really is the most important. And we look forward to seeing proposals that address cost and actually keep people in the coverage that they currently have. So would you say that these results that we've gotten this past month are in line with previous voter vitals polls? Or have you seen any significant variance in any of these topics over time? So in terms of what we've seen or or any variance on these topics, I think first, as we track public opinion toward these proposals like Medicare for All and the public option, we've seen over the past couple of years, awareness has certainly increased on Medicare for All. And as awareness of this proposal has increased, support for it has actually decreased. And that goes to my point earlier of you know, some of these polls, especially in the early days when the conversation first started around Medicare for all, and even more recently when the conversation started around public option, with such little awareness and understanding of the actual proposal, we were seeing higher levels of support. And as voters have learned more, we've seen that come down. What has been consistent, though, is when voters are presented with what Medicare for all is, right, which is replacing or eliminating private insurance and funding through federal taxes, 
we have consistently not seen majority support. In fact, a majority do not support that proposal. So that has been consistent. But as I mentioned, awareness certainly has changed. In terms of the public option, no different. As folks have learned more and awareness has increased, we've seen a drop-off or a decline in terms of support. And lastly, in the proposal that I mentioned is most popular, which is building on our current system, we've seen both that and satisfaction with plans rise over time. And I think the pandemic was a real test of our healthcare system. And what we've seen now, looking on, on the other side, is that folks have really derived a lot of value out of their health coverage in getting free testing, treatment. We're seeing some of the highest levels of satisfaction with our current system than we have in the past two years we've been tracking this. And that goes back to my point that it's a real testament to the work the industry has done in such a trying time that voters feel as strongly and as positively as they do about our current system than we've seen before. Are you ready to return to Washington, D.C. for our annual Capitol Conference? That's right. NAHU's Capitol Conference is returning to in-person from February 28th to March 2nd at the Hyatt Regency on Capitol Hill here in Washington, D.C. In addition to returning in-person, NAHU is also offering a virtual attendance option. In-person attendees will have access to all on-site programs, events, and sponsors, along with access to the virtual platform. Virtual attendees will have access to the virtual platform, the programs listed with virtual attendees on the preliminary schedule, and all virtual sponsors. If you're interested in attending Capital Conference and returning back to the district once again, please go to NHU.org and register as soon as possible. We are very much looking forward to seeing you all once again. We are also joined today by NAHU's Marcy Buckner. So Marcy, all this being said, how does NAHU work with the partnership and utilize these polls in our advocacy work? We use these numbers constantly and recently had a big victory using these numbers when we reached out to you all through our grassroots efforts to send your Operation Shout messages to the Hill regarding the provision that would have lowered the age of eligibility for Medicare to age 60. And so we were able to use some of the numbers that Lauren and Phil referenced earlier when we sent those messages to the Hill and to get that provision taken out of the reconciliation bill that they're still considering now. So that's a great example of how we have used this information very recently to have a huge success. And then we use this information during Capitol Conference, a reminder that Capitol Conference registration is open and the hotel block just opened up as well. So make sure you get your registration in now. But this is helpful for us to be able to bring real hard numbers into the offices of the policymakers and to supply you all with these tools so that you can have it at your fingertips when you're having those conversations. And then not just on the federal level, but on the state level as well. We work with a number of different groups that are state versions of the national group that we work with here in D.C. to work on different types of public option bills that have cropped up in the states. And so this information is also very useful there. So our partnership with the partnership is invaluable. And for some people who are listening right now, Lauren, who 
just heard Marcy talk about that there are state campaigns as well. Uh, for listeners who are just hearing about that for the first time, perhaps, can you talk a bit about those state campaigns? Absolutely. As many of you know, there are not only are we seeing public option proposals at the federal level, we see them at the state. And most recently, we've seen a lot of activity in Nevada, Colorado, Connecticut, New Mexico. We've even tracked some activity in, in Oregon and Illinois. You can visit any of those state organizations or state chapters, if you will, at nevadashealthcarefuture.org, coloradoshealthcarefuture.org. You get the gist of them. But they're there to easily get involved. And if you want to plug into any of any of those organizations, obviously, please reach out to Marcy and we'll make sure to get you guys plugged in. And just as a reminder, where can folks learn more about the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future itself at the federal level? Of course. Please go ahead and visit americashealthcarefuture.org. You can sign up to get our updates, which include regular communications, talking points. We have toolkits. We have resources, as Phil mentioned, our Voter Vital series is hosted on our website, as well as original economic research that looks at the cost and access implications of public option and Medicare for All proposals. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So what are we toasting to this week? Absolutely. Well, we're having a lovely toast to the 2.8 million people who've gained coverage with many more still eligible through the subsidies that continue to build upon and fix things in our current system, but not create a new healthcare system. 2.8 million people got coverage this year that didn't have it. And we need to continue to find opportunities like that to make sure people have the coverage they need at the lowest cost that they can. I'd also like to toast to Bob Dole, who passed this week from lung cancer. Senator Dole spent over a quarter of a century in the Senate and is remembered for his bipartisan work in reaching across the aisle to get things passed for the betterment of America. One of the things that he passed was, of course, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which allowed for more access to health care for more Americans. So I think in the spirit of this week's podcast of building upon systems that work, I'd also like to toast to Senator Dole for his work in putting together the Americans with Disabilities Act and in hopes that we can continue to work in a bipartisan manner to build upon the system that works today. Cheers! Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.